Hey, this is Len Casper, the TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. Rhino, we waited, we fought, we scratched, we clawed, we made it. We won the division, made it to the postseason. How is it already over? Yeah, it goes by fast, doesn't it, Chad? Uh, the Cubs and the Marlins, once again, the Marlins showing the Cubs who's in charge. Once again, the Cubs eliminated in the first round of the postseason and uh, didn't even know what hit them. Uh, the Marlins came in and just took care of business, Chad. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to break that down, break down some of the key stars who just did not show up. We're going to talk about the latest news and, and the, the future for Theo Epstein. Who stays, who goes, what's needed um, as the Cubs look now towards a long offseason in an uncertain future. Yep, that's right. And don't forget, we also have Tony Andraki from the Marquee Sports Network. You can find his content at marqueesportsnetwork.com. He's also a contributor on the television network as well. So he's going to talk to us about what's next for this team and we're going to talk about the future of this franchise so stick around because the friendly confines starts right now hi everybody i'm ryan lever he's chad gordon let's start in the first inning and chad obviously not the ending to this season that we had expected or hoped for that matter the cubs lose in two games to the Miami Marlins in the wild card round. So I'll let you lead off. How shocked are you by this early exit from the Cubs? It's funny because it was, it was, it felt like, you know, just complete shell shock on Saturday, you know, just for that punchless ending, you expected the offense at some point to explode. But, you know, I, I was incredibly shocked by, nine hits over two games and one run. And if you take Ian Happ out of the lineup, you had almost no off and no hits. He was pretty much half of everything and, and accounted for the only run of uh, the entire series. I, I traded some text messages with Mark Silverman, uh, Waddle and Sylvie show. And, and I said, I was just, it was just, it was bewildering to me that the season was over and he came back and just challenged me to say, are you really surprised? Because this team has been this way. And, with a feast or famine team like this has been, Ryan, famine, when it comes, it comes and it's glaring. And it came at the exact wrong time against a Miami Marlins team that, as you said last week's show, is just hungry and is talented. And they just look like they wanted it more. Grinding out bats at bats, um, look very focused to the game plan. The Cubs just look like free swingers and they look like they're ready to go home. Yeah, I mean, listen, I can't sit here and say I am shocked, Chad. I mean, I did say that I thought the Cubs would win in three, but I did think that the Marlins were going to give them a run, and it turned out to be a quick run. Um, I, You know, to your point about Mark Silverman, let me help you uh, pick up the names that you dropped on the floor there. Um, you know, you had Baez and Bryant and Rizzo and Schwarber. I mean, combining to hit 198 I mean, Chad, how can you win a, a series when your core guys are batting below 200? Um, so I can't sit here and say that I'm absolutely shocked. This is not a championship team, and this isn't a team that I think ultimately is set up to win. And I think there's a lot of long offseason questions that this team's going to have to answer. Yeah, and uh, we're going to find out what they're going to do here in this offseason. So let's, let's move on 
um, there was a lot of rumblings and, and grumblings, uh, mainly because at the end of the year uh, press conference with Theo Epstein, um, there's a lot of discussion that he is going to be out the door. Is this his last act? Does he come back next year? What do you think, Ryan? I do think Theo comes back, but I think after that, all bets are off. Theo has always steadfastly said that after 10 years on a job, he thinks it's best for change. And he didn't shy away from that during his end of the season news conference the other day as well. Theo, I think, is trying to structurally set up this team for the future to find the succession plan. And I think that starts with Jed Hoyer as potentially taking over that role as president and then Jason McLeod moving into the general manager position as he is currently the assistant general manager. So if Jed does take over that position, at least we have the succession plan in place, but it's going to be a really huge loss. I mean, that's like an understatement, so to speak, Chad, if Theo says enough's enough. And with that being said, I don't know where Theo's going. Is it going to be baseball? Is it going to be out of baseball? That's going to be his quote unquote next act. I don't know what the answer is, but it seems like to me, at least Theo Epstein is probably going to be gearing up for his final year in 2021. Yeah, I think it was uh, legendary football coach Bill uh, Bill Walsh. Was it that 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 advised Theo that that you, if staying past ten years is not good for the organization, it's not good for the soul, it's not good for the executive. So, so he, I believe, he is definitely going to be coming back. He's going to finish out his contract, but we will not see Theo Epstein um, beyond um, that tenth year. I think he's made it very clear that he's going to be moving on. Will his guys remain will they have value in remaining or will they all move together in another package deal and take over as general manager elsewhere i think jed uh, i think he's a shoe in to take the general manager role but we have to see what rickett's plan is and we have to see what jed's plan is to get this team back to um competitiveness in the offseason you know here's the thing about theo no matter what he does for the rest of his career he doesn't have to do a single thing he is legendary status he's hall of fame status does he go into politics does he does he go take over the cleveland browns you know what what is his next act we won't know but for anyone that's going to look at theo and say you really blew it here um the guy you know the guy will always be synonymous with the chicago cubs their history in that 2016 world series awesome stuff so let's move on to the third inning now and chad i guess the question now is what's next where do we go from here? So the first part in the third inning is who goes? There's a lot of questions that are going to be coming up for this team. Are there going to be trades? Are there going to be free agent signings? Or are there going to be people they don't sign? Um, who do you think ultimately is going to get out of town when we see this roster next year? You know, you've got the Chatwoods, the Quintanas, the Chaffins, the Mabins, the Kipnis, the, the Hamiltons, the the. Um, the Jeffries, the the Winklers, you know, those are all guys that that they're free agents in this next year. And so I don't know, you know, if they will extend, you know, if with an arbitration year with with Quintana coming back, you know, is he cheap enough to be a four or five starter? I can see a likelihood of him being able to come back. Chatwood, I'm not so sure. His durability and his salary, I think they might want to clear it up. I think the biggest question we all have right now. Um, is the John Lester situation? You know, it, it's I believe it's I believe it's a twenty-two million dollar um, uh, uh, option, uh, team option, since he he reached enough innings the last two seasons. Um, but if they don't bring him back, they've got to pay him out ten million dollars. And so, if you know, people have said, oh well, they'll you know they buy him out and they bring him back on a team-friendly deal. Well, I 
I think I've got to think he can get more than than uh, than twelve million dollars on the open market after the Cubs buyout. So I don't know if Lester comes back for you know for the right price. You know, for him to come back and maybe want a notch, I think he needs six or seven more wins to get to two hundred wins. You know, maybe he goes back to Boston and maybe he stays there and grinds out one more season, gets past that two hundred win mark, sells some more jerseys in Boston, takes the ten million from Chicago. It, there's so many questions. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that the ones that are going are the ones that, as you kind of said, are no longer going to be under contract and they're going to be free agents. So, like you said, Jose Quintana, Chatwood, I think those are the guys that are leaving, maybe some guys in the bullpen. Lester, I feel like, is somebody who I think ultimately is going to actually be back next year. I think he's too valuable not to bring back. I think they're go- the Cubs are going to buy him out, yes, to save that money because it's a $20 million uh, you know, option that they have to pick up with him. But I think if he comes back on a team-friendly deal, which he might be willing to do because of how much he loves this organization, I think he might be the one staying. But as far as anyone else going, I think we're going to see this team run it back. And I really believe that ultimately um, that is going to now uh, you know, kind of uh, see what this team has in a 162-game season. Absolutely. So let's move on into the fourth inning. And Ryan, we asked the question, who goes? Here's the question, who stays? Yeah, so kind of along those same lines, Chad, right? So I said John Lester, I think he's going to end up staying. And I think that these guys that they currently have, there's really no trade value for them right now. If you trade them in the offseason, you're going to get pennies on the dollar. So the Kyle Schwarbers, the Chris Bryants, the Javi Baez is, I mean, not that I think they're going to trade Javi. Um, You're not going to get much in return. So if there's something that they should do, it's you need to run it back with this team. You need to retool the team a little bit. You need to kind of figure out how this team's going to look by making maybe some free agent signings. They're not going to be major signings because we know what the money situation is with this team. And I think if you are able to see these guys in contract years who are going to be hungry and they could be dangerous, maybe then you make the moves if the Cubs are contending or not contending to make those trades like Chris Bryant, like Kyle Schwarber. So those are the names that we could see maybe on the move. Maybe even your boy Jason Hayward, Chad, could be on the trading block next season if, depending on what the Cubs do, and we get more into that with Tony Andrecki. So for me, I think we know what the rotation is going to look like for my money. It's going to be Lester and Darvish and Hendricks and Adzelay and Mills. I think that's going to be their starting five. I really do believe John Lester is going to be back, though. What about you? Well, there's a lot at stake here. You know, one of the things that I would imagine Theo doesn't want to do in his swan song victory lap season is do a teardown and start the rebuild in that last decade of his of his time. Unless they can do it in such a way where they infuse this organization and this team with some hungry talent and they're able to flip someone like a Rizzo, a Baez, a Bryant um, for for value. And, you know, you look at you look at the guys that that are on contract years that are that are that are going to be, um, you know, playing for their new their, their new contract. And it is it is guys uh, that, that you want to see excel. You want to see Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and Schwarber, you know, have the type of years that they would want to have going into a contract year, because that means the team's going to be competitive. The problem with that is they might be stat first 
stat hungry. And you could say a lot of Javi's swings this year did not look very team focused, but very stat focused. So it could work against them. Um, I am excited to see what a contract year for Bryant, Baez, Rizzo and Schwarber could look like, because that I think could spell um, a tremendous offensive uh, production, really focused uh, because they are in the prime of their free agency years and them to not take advantage of this time um, and struggle um, would not be good for them, especially two straight years of this, but it also would be for the Cubs. So I think you do run it back. I think you add some extra pieces. Again, I'm not sure Lester's the piece. I'm not sure if the Cubs are going to go after somebody like Trevor Bauer who's out there and wants a one-year series of one-year deals. Um, I would like to see um, them put some more money and some more funds into the starting rotation and figure out what the heck they're going to do with the bullpen. Yep, and and that uh, segues perfectly into the fifth inning, Chad. What is needed for this team to compete in 2021 should there be a season? So, you know, I'm sure we all saw the stat. We all saw the stat, and, and let's think about competitiveness from what the ultimate goal is. Competitiveness is a deep run, very deep run to the World Series, into the playoffs, beyond the playoffs, because clearly winning your division this year Clearly, you know, taking down and, and having one of the top top records um, in baseball, um, you know, wasn't enough. And, and, and hosting the first round wildcard game wasn't enough. So that wasn't defined success this year. So if you want to say, OK, what are we going to do and, and, and how, what this team needs? We all saw that stat. I'm sure we all saw that stat. ESPN pointed it out. Baez, Bryant and Rizzo since the 2016 season have hit combined 136 with 51 strikeouts and just six walks in the postseason. So for me, what does this team have defined uh, and, 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 and solid success? They've got to make a deeper run. And from what pieces they're going to put in place, I'd like to see more starting pitching. I'd like to see a bigger emphasis on the bullpen unless Kimbrell has truly figured it out. Um, but I've got to tell you, um, my dream scenario is what I talked about before. These guys in their contract year determine who is not going to be a part of the future let them get to the, the trade deadline and move them for people because there's something wrong with this core part of the group, Ryan, where the fire is not there. No one is leading the charge. Nobody's putting it on the next guy. And so I think in some cases there has to be some moves next year. But as you said earlier, there's no value in any of these guys. They would get pennies on the dollar if they tried to move them in the offseason now. It's hard to quantify how good this team is when you're only playing 60 games in a season. So I'm reluctant to kind of look at these seasons and say that they are on the decline of their careers because you need to see it from 100 more games to get that full scope. With that being said, we talked about the fact that they're under contract one more year. They're going to be hungry. You would like to think that. You would like to think that they're improving onto what happened last year because all four of them, the core four, probably had the worst seasons of their career. So they can possibly get better. There is a scenario as well where we talk about Chris Bryant. Maybe the Cubs move him for pieces that even when the Cubs are contending in the NL Central, maybe you get Bryant if he's having a good year for pitching depth. And that maybe helps you down the stretch. Just saying that could be something that 
could happen um, down the line. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. I think you hit it on the head. This team needs depth in the pitching staff, both in the rotation and in relief. This team also desperately needs to find a guy who can set the table for them, whether that's at the leadoff spot or the end of the lineup, there is something lacking here. Ian Happ had a tremendous year, but at the same time, there is not a guy, as you said, who is putting the pressure on other guys to say, you need to step it up and make sure that you are responsible for getting guys home and scoring runs at a premium because we, we, we lack that. There are times where we see this team scoring 10 runs and then they disappear for games at a time and it is maddening. So I, I think it's only going to be tweaks though, because we've seen how big this payroll is Darvish and Kimbrell and Brian and Rizzo. All these guys are making a lot of money, Chad. So I don't see Trevor Bauer joining this team. And I think that is something that we just have to come to the realization with, as well as knowing that COVID has played such a big role this year in decimating the finances of so many major league baseball teams that I don't think we're going to see those big name free agents, even like a Francisco Lindor joining the Chicago Cubs or anybody like that this off. Yeah. And one other point, and and you, you, you touched on something that really sparked something for me just to say, I definitely don't think the the core four, core five, if you put Willie in there, um, I don't think they're on some downward trajectory. But what I do know is when I watch the Houston Astros play the last two nights of the division series, all of those players in that lineup look like they know why they're there. They look like they know that their job and this Cubs team since 2016, the whole entire Cubs postseason roster has batted 151. I'm sorry, 161. And that isn't going to get it done. Not There's no situational hitting. There's no there's just no value um, to where it's most important. And if the goal is to get to the playoffs, this Cubs team, the way they have their players, um, uh, the, the fire they have, the, the production they have, this doesn't appear to be a team that can take it beyond just making the postseason. So let's move on to the sixth inning. And, you know, Ryan, we, we had doubts. I'd say I had more doubts than you did. But we had doubts this 2020 season – would get this far. I thought it'd be done. I thought the towel would be thrown in by, by July, August. Um, you know, even though we're starting in July, I'm still shocked that uh, the NFL is playing, even though they've had some major issues with some games postponed and not sure how they're going to make those games. But when you look at this 2020 season, what were the highlights? What was the main highlight for you of this 2020 major league baseball season? Well, since you brought it up, I want to refer you back to an article written about our podcast in the Southern Illinois and by our friend Todd Heffernan who said in the article with you and I, and I said that I knew that we would finish the season, that there would be COVID cases and that they would trudge forward. And that is exactly what happened, Chad. And yes, I am, I, I am happy that we got to see baseball. So for me, the best part of the season, Chad, was the fact that we actually got to see a 60-game season when there was much doubt on if it would get done and if we would be in the position that we're in now. And the Cubs leading the charge, so to speak, when it came to guys staying healthy and not testing positive for COVID. The Cubs never had an issue. They did such a terrific job of making sure they were quarantined, they stayed healthy, and there was never a single issue of this team having any problems during this year. So a 
kudos to them. And that for me was the best part of the season. What you about know, you? Um, and yeah, and I'll, I'll take, you know, I'll, I'll take the, the loss on that one um, because mainly, you know, I'm, I'm going to be more optimistic about this team. I'm going to be more often optimistic about my hopes and, you know, what I feel about what this Cubs team is possible or capable of doing rather. I, I miss it on the COVID piece. Uh, and I think they're the only team in Major League Baseball that didn't have one player um, during the the reset um, that uh, that t- that tested positive. So kudos on them for taking that seriously. From a positive perspective, um, a couple things. One, it's kind of selfish. I'll say that second. Um, but 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 two, um, Pat Hughes and Ron in my ear. You know, for sixty games this year, sixty plus. You know, sixty two. That to me felt normal. Um, that to me was something I would look forward to the last um, two three months. Something I so appreciated and something I needed. Um, that's necessary to have some sort of routine. You take the gym away and you can't do that for a while. You take the ball games I play personally, you can't do that for a while. You take some of the social outlets. But when Pat and Ron were there, I at least I knew I had two, three, four hours um, where it was important. But but the main highlight that I said was a bit selfish and a bit self-serving here is just we had such a breakthrough year with the podcast, you know, with having Pat Hughes and having Lynn and having Andre Dawson and Mike Greenberg and Ryan Dempster and and just recently George Will. I'm, I, you know, there's so many other names that I could list. Chris Myers from Fox Sports NFL. Um, it was so fun for me that, that we had uh, turned such a corner with the podcast, um, and I'm just excited about what the future is going to bring with the podcast, knowing that we've got another hopefully full season and a lot more podcasts this offseason that we're going to bring to all our great, great listeners. Chad, it may be the offseason, and Cub fans, I'm sure, are drowning in their sorrows. But, hey, if you're going to do that, you might as well get some great wine to go with it. Am I right? And Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. excited, Chad, about our new partner, the Federalist Wine. This is a damn good tasting wine. It's crafted to be big, bold, and revolutionary as America itself. And this is an American craft wine that really goes with everything, Chad. So if you're upset because the Cubs lost, then have some Federalist wine. If you still want to watch baseball, have some Federalist wine. You want it with some dude food, as I like to call it, a hamburger, drink Federalist wine, and it's even good with a nice steak as well. Any sort of thing you want to pair it with, it's all yours. You don't have it, to have any rules with this. It's great wine. It's good stuff. It's perfect for the backyard barbecues and and obviously watching baseball and maybe the transition into football. I drink it. Ryan drinks it. And you should, too. So grab a bottle at uncorked.com. Go to uncorked.com and use the promo code CUBS20 and you'll get 20% off your purchase. So remember um, to do that at uh, the promo code CUBS20 at uncorked.com to get 20% off any bottle of wine. That's Federalist. Damn good taste. That's right. Must be 21 years or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. We're very excited for our next guest. We wish it was under different circumstances, of course, but we're still very happy. He's taken a few minutes of his time to join us. You can find his work on the Marquee Sports Network at marqueesportsnetwork.com. You can also find him on Twitter at Tony Andrecki23. 
It is our pleasure to welcome Tony Andrecki to the seventh inning stretch. Tony, how you doing? And welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Hey, doing really well. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate being on. Yeah, well, we're so glad you could join us. Obviously, a lot to break down. Of course, not exactly the conversation we would want to be having with you. But nonetheless, this is where we're at. So let's start just from the series itself. Cubs-Marlins, Cubs dropped both games to lose the best of three series to the Miami Marlins, eliminating them from the wild card and from the postseason. Were you totally shocked by this result in the series or was it kind of par for the course? And did you just think the Marlins were the better team overall? Yeah, you know what? I was a little surprised. I was surprised um, at the very least that it didn't go three games. I mean, I never expected the Marlins to lay down and die or anything, but I thought if it would go, uh, if it would only be a two-game series, that it would be the Cubs sweeping. You know, it's no disrespect whatsoever to the Marlins. They just had a really tough year, 17 players testing positive, and and it was, you know, it was kind of a makeshift, makeshift roster all year. And so they they had a lot kind of working against them. Their run differential wasn't great because of some bad losses during the season as well. But those young pitchers they had are, are really, really good. I mean, Sixto Sanchez, who started game two, looks like he's going to be a star in this league. So I was, I was surprised um, by how it all played out. And, and I really kind of thought, too, going into it, that, that I was kind of expecting a little bit better result from the Cubs offense, though I, I'm sure a lot of fans and a lot of guys in the organization agree. So I guess the big question now, Tony, is where do we go from here? What now? I read your article on MarqueeSportsNetwork.com talking about Theo Epstein's future and the future of the team. So um, I certainly want to get more into detail with you as well. But first, if you can just kind of give me the broad scope of what's next steps for this franchise. Yeah, you know, I think it's a transition period and it's something that Theo talked about a lot. He used that word transition quite a bit. I, I think there's transition on the roster. I, it, there's no guarantee that all these core guys are going to be back. Um, who knows what's going to happen in terms of trades or uh, how the financial landscape of the pandemic will, will affect everything around baseball. So we just don't know. Those are unanswerable questions at this point. But, yeah, I think transition for sure is coming to the roster, and I think it, it's coming to the Cubs front office at some point too. I, Theo talked about it and said as much. He, he didn't – it still seems like Theo will be the president of baseball operations for the 2021 season. But beyond that, we just don't know, and, and we'll see. And so he talked about a transition period and a plan in place to make sure that the Cubs are set up for long-term success uh, if you were to leave or if some if there were a change atop the, the baseball operations department. So I think that's the theme of the of Theo's end of season presser and just in general of, of the offseason is tra- transition and, and change. All right. So let's start at the top then and we'll work our way down. So you mentioned Theo. You talk about how his contract is up after 2021. And I think most people would agree. And Theo didn't really deny it at all in the press conference basically saying that 10 years after his 10 years with the Cubs, he's going to most likely move on. Is that what your takeaway was? And who takes over for him? Is it an automatic given that it is Jed Hoyer that's going to assume the president's role once Theo takes off? Yeah, right now, that would be my assumption and that um, Jed would move up and, and maybe Jason McLeod or somebody else would kind of move up as well to fill Jed's spot in the GM 
roll. That would be what I would think right now, but you know, we'll see. I think the, I think that would have been an easier question to answer if it weren't for the pandemic. You know, I, I just don't know how that's going to play out. I don't know what kind of new challenge Theo might want for himself. I don't know if he said about 10 years and that's what he said in this end of season presser. So um, it, I, who knows if that's going to be 11 or, you know, if he wants to come back for another year and to see how it plays out. So I, I think the pandemic definitely has changed quite a bit. It, it's changed probably a lot of individual thinking, a lot of organizational thinking. And, you know, so we'll see. I think uh, I do ultimately think in the next couple of years, Theo will move on and he will be find a new challenge somewhere else, whether that's a different baseball team or, or something outside of baseball. I, I'm not 100% sure. I, I don't know what he's thinking right now. But, yeah, if you were to move on right now, I would expect uh, Jed Hoyer to step into his role. So let's talk about the players now. We know David Ross is obviously going to be the manager of this team. So much speculation on who will be back, who won't be back. Let's start with Kyle Schwarber because I think all signs point to him as being the guy who most likely will be traded. Is that where you stand as well? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, in terms of being traded, it's really just going to be difficult because you look at any of these individual guys and um, the most likely trade candidates, of course, as you mentioned, are a guy like Schwarber, sure, or Chris Bryan or Javi Baez or any of these guys that have only a year left and under – uh, under team control before free agency, they could all be likely trade candidates, but they're also coming off their worst seasons of their career. So their trade value isn't as high for a guy like Schwarber. His value may have seen a bit of a bump with the fact that the national league, uh, I assume that they, they will still have the designated hitter for 2021 as well and moving forward. So if that's the case, then obviously Schwarber's in there, but I mean, he has played a respectable left field and his arm is a real weapon out there as well. So it's not like he has to just be a DH to whatever team he goes to. So it, Schwarber definitely, he, he's a guy that could be on the move, but the left-handed power is, is important too. And, he, and he's a huge presence in the clubhouse. He's one of the most liked players and, and they really, appreciate having him around. Um, but I don't know in terms of trades, I, I guess it'll just depend on, on what they're able to get. And I think in that regard, I think Chris Bryant would be the guy that would most likely return the most or closest to his value because you could chalk this up. I mean, he played 34 games. It was roughly a month of, of a season. And yeah, it wasn't a, a great month, but he was an all-star last year. And he's obviously has an MVP and has been such a good player. And he was also so good defensively and on the base pass. So I think it would be easy enough to chalk up the 34 games that Brian played to just a tough season in a tough environment. And the Cubs still recoup even somewhat close of their, the value that they would think in a trade. I think that makes the most sense to me. Um, but I, I guess I don't know for sure what the other teams might be looking at, you know, like a, a guy one year away from free agency, I don't know exactly what teams would want to be giving up for Bryant or Schwarber or, Rizzo or Javi or any of these guys that might be on the market. Well, so it's interesting you say that because I'm actually in the camp of run it back. I, I know that some people would probably disagree with me and say, why run it back when we know what we have with this team, but it's hard to assess what you have in this team for a 60 game stretch, in my opinion, because my personal take is like you said, Bryant, obviously, is probably the one that's going to garner the most trade value. But why trade a guy when you're not going to get that much in return? Not only knowing that you said he's only got the one year left, but he did not have a good year. He was injured. 
keep Brian on board, see how he does. And if the Cubs are out of contention in 2021, then you make the decision and say, okay, let's get something back for Bryant in return, maybe mid-season 2021. So my personal feeling, and, and tell me if you agree or disagree, is bring back this core. I think you at least owe it to everything that you have built at this point to bring it back one more time, because if it doesn't work, these guys are walking anyway, and you're rebuilding as it is. So is is that on board with what you would think, or, or not so much? Yeah, it is 100%, actually. And Theo even mentioned in his end-of-season presser that there's a lot of value in, um, I forget, he might have used the word dangerous or something, but um, for guys playing on their last year before free agency, there there's those guys are motivated. They obviously want to get to their next contract and they want to perform well. So individually and well as a team. So I think there's, there is value in that. And there's the fact that, you know, trying to trade a player who's one, who has one season of team control left, it's, it's easier than a guy like Nolan Arenado in today's environment who has what, seven years left on his contract, six years left. That's much tougher for teams trying to to navigate the financial landscape. That's such an unknown right now. So I think, yeah, certainly like if they're not able to get the value that they want from a Schwarber or Bryant or whoever on the trade market this winter, then yeah, run it back and see what happens. And if, if a guy is performing really well or the team, uh, you're not really sure what to make of it. I mean, they could still retool on the fly. Like there's a scenario here where say Chris Bryant is traded just for example, they could trade a mid season, but still contend next year and go for it and, and be a, a team competing for the NL central title and still getting something for a guy in Bryant. So I, I think it, it would be difficult for sure, but, you know, talk about a challenge and a new challenge that Theo Epstein might want. Like that's kind of it, right? Like that's, that would be a, a, an amazing challenge to try to, to pull this all off and it, and it will be difficult, but, but I think that's probably the, I don't know if most likely course of action, but I think maybe the most prudent course of action is bring these guys back, get value for them mid season. If, if you can, otherwise just let them play it out and, and you know, uh, work towards their next contract. The boys will be right back after this message from the Barroom Network. Looking for some smart Chicago Bulls talk? Listen to Sharpshooters. You know, some of the young guys, I'm sure along the way, have gotten into some bad habits because they're, you're on a team that loses all the time. You know, with Zach, it was always, how many points can I score? Can I make the all-star team? Can I get some individual recognition? I'm sure Billy's going to get him in a face-to-face conversation and say, you're a prolific scorer and we love everything about that, but this is what you need to do for us to win games. And if Zach is sincere about all the good things in basketball come through winning, he'll make those changes. If not, he'll probably be moved along to another team. Zach, by the way will be playing in his seventh year in the NBA upcoming for his sixth coach. Yeah, that's not good. That blows me away just to even hear it. I mean, I knew about it, but six coaches in seven years? Wow. And he's never had a winning season. Never experienced that in the NBA. So he's he is like this raw lump of clay, and I I think that Billy wants to mold him into a winning player because the physical gifts are off the charts. I'm a big Zach Levine fan. I know you are as well. I think that this is a guy that can be a really important piece on a team that can try to accomplish some lofty things. Uh, I know some Bulls fans think that, that he should be moved along. I think that's this is a guy that you want to keep on your roster. Shanowski, Schuster, two of Chicago's most accomplished NBA reporters. Sharpshooters. New episodes every week on the Barroom Network.
on the debut episode of Pass the Mic, veteran sports writer and broadcaster Peggy Kaczynski talked about having things mansplained to her after she's made an error. When you make a mistake, it's devastating. And we all feel it. You don't need anyone telling you or pointing out that you were wrong about this. Yes, I get it. The best thing to do is to admit it immediately, post it, say it, and move on from it. Make a joke of it and move on. But when they repeatedly want to try to point out that, well, that's why you don't really know football. I'm like, dude, just because you played high school football in Chicago doesn't mean you know any more than I do, okay? You Like, stop. You stopped at high school, okay? Like, that is not the greatest end all. We could all catch up to anything you learned from then on. And, and it really eeks me when guys try to do that. And they do it because it makes them feel better. So once you realize that, you have to brush them off. You have to literally brush them off like a little piece of dandruff on your shoulder and just Hey, oh yeah, that was there. Sorry. And move on. Pass the mic with John Buffon and Alyssa Barbieri two times a month on the Barroom Network. And once again, our thanks to Tony Andraki of the Marquee Sports Network. And of course, don't forget, you can find Chad and I as we are now the proudest uh, teammates of the Barroom Network, where you can find our podcast, as you always have been able to, on all the platforms where you can listen to podcasts. But now we have a great partnership with the Barroom Network, and you can hear the likes of Mike North and David Schuster and Les Grobstein and Mark Schanowski. All those guys are a part of it, as we are too, so we're excited to be uh, part of a great network that you can listen to our show on as well. And don't forget, uh, as far as social media goes, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. So make sure to check us out there. We'd love to connect with you and follow us as well as our Facebook page. It's the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page, Chad. We always love to interact with our listeners, and we are always posting about new information, even in the offseason, about Cubs baseball, right? So much so. And, and what we're going to do this year is a little bit different. We're pretty excited. We would do intermittent podcasts through the offseason in seasons past. This year, we're going to trudge through because we know, based upon our success this year, that we're going to bring you blockbuster guests. So we hope if you're a Chicago Cubs fan, you're also going to be a Chicago sports fan because we might have some some segments uh, talking about the Bears. So let's move on to the eighth inning and an interesting as we record today on Tuesday, October 6th. It's it's an important date in Chicago Cubs history. Um, back on this date in 1945, um, Williamson Ice brings his goat to Wrigley Field for game four of the World Series. And if you're a Cubs fan, you know the rest. Rhino, what does this anniversary mean now for this team that for the longest time was defined on curses? Amazing. Does it mean so much anymore, the GOAT? Yeah, amazing that 2016 can wipe out uh, all the uh, 69 or 1984 or 2003. Um, now we don't even think about it anymore, right? I mean, we used to just talk about it all the time. I had the opportunity when the Marlins and Cubs played in the 2003 NLCS. 
I went to all the uh, games at Wrigley. It was at the Bartman game. And, of course, I got to do a story about the Billy Goat. So I went to the Billy Goat Tavern and interviewed Sam Sienis, who uh, is the nephew of the late William Sienis, and did a story about it. And so it was definitely one of my highlights, uh, being able to do that story and really um, getting deep down and learning more about this curse. And I don't know if you knew this or not, Chad, because I always said that the Cubs, I always thought when I was younger that the curse just meant the Cubs weren't going to be in the postseason or make or rather win a postseason series. But it actually was that they said the Cubs would never win a World Series. So they could win in the postseason and they did in 03, winning against the Braves and then getting to the NLCS. But it was that curse of not getting to get to the World Series and win the World Series at that point. And uh, we broke it. We broke it in 2016. And now it is like a distant memory for all of us, right? You know, you're exactly right. It's, it's you know, is it even something that to be talked about? And I think it's a wonderful story. It's a great part of this history that fit in with the friendly confines and the lovable losers and all the different things that happened from the Black Cat in 69. You know, I remember what George Will said, um, you know, he was a guy that was born in the mid forties. Last week we had a you know Pulitzer Prize winner, George Will on the show, and he was born in the mid forties and he didn't see success really until eighty-four. He saw the collapse of sixty-nine. And there was something to have the curse, I think, that drove people through all those decades to keep rooting for the team, but yet thinking instead of bad front agents a uh, front office rather, you know, it was some curse or the stars were aligning again. So it's a wonderful story, but it's a story and a theme that I don't think the Cubs will ever, ever really jump and bite into again, unless, of course, and we won't be alive to see it, we go another 108 day, eight, eight years, rather, till the next one. Well, lucky you. I think I will be around in 108 years, so it might actually happen. You never know. Uh, all right, Chad, let's move on and finish this one up in the ninth inning. Uh, the Cubs are out, and I know that the baseball playoffs are still going on. Are there any teams at this point or playoff series that you are remotely interested in? Are you even going to be interested in the rest of this postseason? Where do you stand on that? So it's interesting. Um, and me now living in the San Diego area, um, it just it hit me, you know, yesterday during the Rays Yankees game. I'm like, that game is like a couple minutes away from me. And they're like, I can't go see it. Like, I would have probably went to go see that game. Or, or today's game, um, just because it's an interesting thing, but you, you can't really see it. There's some condos that look down into Petco Park. Um, so, you know, you asked me what interests me. Um, I'm, I'm hate rooting against the Astros, because if the Astros win it all this year, can we say a word to them about being cheaters and getting a title inappropriately? They have the most writing on the success of this year, even though it's a shortened season, if they can win it all this year, they can they can silence everybody other than people that will say it was a short year. It didn't matter. I would love to see the Rays come through um, because it's a small market club. Obviously, the, that's not going to help with the ratings. On the National League side, you know, I kind of want the Marlins to win it again just so they can have this incredible opportunity to say we've never lost a postseason series. If we make the playoffs, we are going to win the World Series, um, but I still think the the World Series winner is going to come out of the West. It's going to be either the Padres um, or the Dodgers. And for my Dodger fan friends, you know, Jeff Gale's a longtime listener of this, and we talk Cubs-Dodgers all the time. 
it's been a long time since 1988. And I, you know, I wouldn't mind if the Dodgers had an opportunity to win it this year and then go away because they seem like a team that is built for the, the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I was curious if you were kind of interested in the Padres and maybe with their run. I mean, they're certainly an exciting team. I think that Dodgers-Padres series is something that could shape up. But, yeah, I mean, the Marlins are, you know, my adopted hometown team now with me living in South Florida. And I'm kind of interested to see how the Marlins do. I mean, of this recording, they lost their first game to the Braves. But I, I certainly think that this is a Marlins team that, kind of reminds me a little bit of the 03 team with young pitching that I think are just starting to hit their stride and players that you probably don't know really of who they are right now, but eventually you will. And that was the 03 team. You know, you didn't have a lot of big names at the time, but they grew into big names. And same with the pitching. Um, I'm not saying the Marlins are going to go to the World Series by any stretch. In fact, I don't think they're going to beat the Braves, but the Marlins at least are an exciting young team. And that's the team that I think right now, if I were to root for anyone else in this postseason, that's the team I would probably go with when it's all said and done for me to have somewhat of an interest in. All right. Well, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the friendly confines. Of course, as Chad mentioned, it might be the off season, but there's still plenty of Cubs news that we're going to bring to you each and every week. So for Chad, I am Ryan. We will talk to you next time, everybody. Stay safe and please continue to wear a mask. See you at spring training, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed. The first time you walk into Wrigley Field, our heroes wear... I'm George Will, and you're listening to the Friendly Confines Podcast with Chad and Ryan.